and welcome to Sam and Dan and RoboCop from AcmeScience.com. So here we are for another episode of Sam and Dan, and I am one of your hosts, Samuel Hansen. I am also a math podcaster. Yay. And uh, joining me is Mr. Dan Sai from the There You Are Mega Podcast. We don't call it that. Well, I do. Oh, well, cool. Um, I may have to register thereyouaremegapodcast.com now. Okay, yeah, and of course, There You Are Podcast, on the other hand, will actually get you to their website. Uh, And before we actually start talking about what we're going to talk about, I want to pop in a quick plug for the AcmeScience.com Kickstarter, Relatively Prime, which is uh, me trying to raise some money to do some new math podcasting. It'll be great. Just go to Relatively Prime, or go to Relatively Prime. Go to Kickstarter.com and search for Relatively Prime. And uh, just give me some money, people, please. Listen, people... As someone who has donated to this project, I fully support it. Uh, I think it's going to be really cool. If you watch the video that Sam made, there's a part where he's reclined on a tree, um, and it looks really great. And I think we can expect more of that if you give him money. Okay. Well, thank you very much. No problem. So uh, what are we here today to talk about? Well, it's funny you should mention that, because we're here to talk about RoboCop. Woo! RoboCop? What's that? Well, it's... My favorite movie and yours, everybody, everybody out there has seen RoboCop. I had not seen RoboCop until yesterday. Yeah, because you are a, a stupid person. Yes, I, I can I can qualitatively say that now after having seen RoboCop and realized what I missed. Uh, RoboCop is, is one of my favorite movies. I watch it quarterly. I don't know. <laughs> I probably watch it at least three times a year, I would say. I, I'm kind of cur- curious, um, Sam... As someone who just watched it for the first time yesterday, I'd like to hear hear your description of what RoboCop is. RoboCop is a movie set in a dystopian past future thing. Not entirely sure about the timeline at this point because it's both in the future from when it was made, but a future that clearly did not expect technology to go as far as it has today. Yeah, a future that did not predict the iPhone. Yes, yeah, or flat screen televisions. (laughs) And it's set in a Detroit, which they actually got pretty spot on. Yeah, despite being filmed in Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) And there's cops, and they're getting killed once again, pretty spot on for Detroit. Mm -hmm. And one of the cops gets killed, gets brought back as a cyborg who then has some weird cyborg things go on with his supposedly white brain and he decides to take out the people who killed him originally. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think like, you know, RoboCop is kind of like a, you know, it's a typical 1980s action movie, but it kind of goes a little bit deeper. It kind of deals with like a lot more bigger themes than most action movies, which are pretty much let's blow shit up. RoboCop does get into, you know, uh, corporate corruption, uh, government privatization, about uh, the ethics of kind of bringing someone back to life as a crazy cyborg robot. Um, And I think that's kind of what sets it apart from 
almost any other action movie. I will not disagree with you there. Uh, not uh, every other, because there are other ones very similar to this, like, say, that wonderful movie, I believe it was called Player, starring Gerard Butler. Uh, Gamer. It was called Gamer. <laughs> that movie was fucking just terrible. <laughs> yeah, but it did deal with the idea of corporate corruption. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And also, there was that scene where Michael C. Hall did the dance with the puppets behind, or like the puppetized people behind him. Yeah. That was definitely made watching that movie completely worthwhile. Yeah, I guess. I think the the driving force of this movie is this gigantic corporation called Omni Consumer Products, or OCP. OCP, you know, they they control. They're a huge corporation. They control a lot of things. At the beginning of this movie, they take over the police force. They're contracted by the government to run Detroit's police. Dick Jones, division president, OCP. Every policeman knows when he joins the force that there are certain inherent risks that come with the territory. Ask any cop, he'll tell you. You can't stand the heat, you better stay out of the kitchen. With their kind of overarching corporate plan is to drive Detroit into ruin so they can destroy it and build a utopia called Delta City. Let's see, I actually kind of read that differently when I watched Mm. it. I I, I read that the the person who wanted Delta City, which was referred to as the old man, uh, the the guy in charge of OCP, Mm. didn't want to have to drive it into ruin to get there. He just wanted to buy it all up and build it. And uh, the only way that he figured that he could get the people to actually work on building it is if they used uh, robots to drive out the crime. Yeah, on the other hand, there was the uh, other people there who were more than willing to drive it into ruin in order to buy it for cheaper. In six months, we begin construction of Delta City, where old Detroit now stands. Old Detroit has a cancer. The cancer is crime. And it must be cut out before we employ the two million workers that will breathe life into this city again. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit because uh, driving into ruin was definitely the plot of RoboCop 2. <laughs> so I'm a uh, th- which has scarred me, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. So at the center of this story of the privatized the uh, privatized police force is a uh, uh, Alex Murphy, played by Peter Weller, a.k.a. Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, and his partner, uh, Ann Lewis, played by Nancy Allen. Murphy gets gets transferred to a new precinct. Hi. Uh, Murphy transferring in from Metro South. Nice precinct. Yeah, pretty good. You work for a living down here, Murphy. Get your armor and suit up. You eventually find out that that may have been orchestrated a little bit by OCP because he does fit a profile that they would need for this RoboCop program. What ends up happening is, you know, they get called in for uh, there's a bank robbery that happened. They they chase down the bad guys. And in the process, shit goes wrong. He gets, he gets the shit blown out. of Yeah, him. it's maybe one of the more brutal scenes in a movie where, you know, he he's like on the ground, almost execution style. He gets one of his hands blown off. He gets his other arm blown off. And then he just gets riddled with sh- shotgun shells. Well, what have we here? You a good cop? Hot shot? <laughs> I'm sure you are. Why, well, you got to be some kind of great cop. 
come in here all by yourself. <laughs> Where's your partner? Yeah, and he's still not dead. And then, oh, uh, we should say the, the bank robber is a uh, character named Clarence Boddicker, mm-hmm. played by Redford. Clarence Boddicker, unofficial crime boss of old Detroit, now sought in connection with the deaths of 31 police officers. Today he's at large, while doctors at Henry Ford Memorial Hospital fight to save the life of Officer Frank Fredrickson. <laughs> yeah, played by Kirkwood Smith, a.k.a. Red Foreman from that 70s show. Uh, we will refer to him as Red Foreman from, from here on. Yeah, and, and then he eventually puts a bullet into Buckaroo Bonsai's brain. See, this is the problem. None of these characters in my head are from RoboCop. They're all from other movies, and they've just been transplanted into this dystopian universe. Yeah. Uh, it puts a bullet into Buckaroo Banzai's head. Yeah. And still, he's not dead. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he dies after uh, some time in a hospital. Yeah. And, you know, coincidentally, there is a, uh, at OCP, they're trying to decide what the next the next step in uh, taking over this police force will be. And it's going to be some sort of robotic policeman who will patrol the city and and eradicate crime. The front runner is this program that's pushing the ED-209 enforcement droid, um, which is headed by one of the the higher-ups at OCP. As you know, we've entered into a contract with the city to run local law enforcement. But at Security Concepts, We believe an efficient police force is only part of the solution. No, we need something more. We need a a 24-hour-a-day police officer, a cop who doesn't need to eat or sleep, a cop with superior firepower and the reflexes to use it. Fellow executives, it gives me great pleasure to introduce you to the future of law enforcement. Ed 209. Unfortunately, during a demo, for this, the ED-209. <laughs> Fully armed demo in the boardroom. The, uh, it malfunctions, and it kills a, uh, a fellow executive named Kenny. Yeah, except it doesn't just kill him. Dr. McNamara. We'll need an arrest subject. Mr. Kenny. Yes, sir. Would you come up and give us a hand, please? Yes, sir. Mr. Kenny is going to help us simulate a typical arrest and disarming procedure. Mr. Kenny, use your gun in a threatening manner. Pointed at Ed 209. Yes, sir. Please put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. You now have 15 seconds to comply. You are in direct violation of Penal Code 113, Section 9. Except instead of, you know, just shooting a couple of times to put the guy down, this robot riddles this person with like 55 bullets. Yeah. Like it is it is a hardcore like revenge killing at this point. It's no longer just a just a police action. Listen, dystopian Detroit's a, hard, a tough place. Uh, well, apparently, th- I mean, but this actually gets into what was actually probably my favorite plot of the entire movie. So, like, there's the main plot of RoboCop, mm-hmm. which 
is, as you said, just kind of a basic action. You got an action star, a bunch of bad shit happens to him, and then he has essentially what is amnesia, and he starts to remember some things and goes back and takes goes back and takes revenge. Yes. Basic, basic plot. But the corporate politics story is the one that actually interests me. And this, you have uh, Dick Jones, who's the one pushing the ED two hundred nine, and then after that malfunction, Bob Morton mm-hmm. comes to play. I'm sure it's only a glitch, a temporary setback. You call this a glitch? We're scheduled to begin construction in six months. Your temporary setback could cost us $50 million in interest payments alone. Not necessarily, sir. Perhaps you're aware of the RoboCop program developed by myself at Security Concepts as a contingency against just this sort of thing? Thank you for your concern, Mr. Morton. I'm sure this is something now, we can take up in my office at a moment. Maybe what we need here is a fresh perspective. He pushes for a cyborg solution yeah he 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 feels that having a kind of human element behind the the robot would would make it more effective um at, you know according to this this uh test of the ed209 he's probably not wrong uh, and and so this gets into the whole like corporate politics story in this movie and, and this is literally my favorite story is the interplay between bob morton and dick jones yeah yeah and it is like it is kind of ridiculous and um entirely believable and entirely entirely believable so bob morton goes goes above dick jones is his boss at this point goes above his boss to uh to push robocop and robocop is for all intents and purposes a, a success at the at this point in the movie and uh you know dick jones wants wants his revenge over this subordinate who is now uh his equal pretty much yeah and so and this is this is kind of a big deal and i kind of wish that they would have focused more on it i would have loved to see more of the corporate infighting but i it just so happens that red foreman works for dick jones he is eventually sent to kind of take out take out bob morton as he's doing coke off of a prostitute, as you do. Yeah, well, as you as you do in dystopian Detroit when you just became a vice president at uh, the most important corporation in the city. Yeah. <sighs> Must be the champagne. Ah. Stay here. <sighs> How you doing? Uh. 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 Bitches leave. Uh. Oh, and also the the argument that Jones has is I think that this is what sold it to me, sold the entire story. Mm-hmm. It's when they they have this big altercation in the bathroom. Yeah, you've insulted me, and you've insulted this company with that bastard creation of yours. I had a guaranteed military sale with Ed Two O Nine, renovation program, spare parts for twenty five years. Who cares if it worked or not? I'm like, oh. So this guy isn't actually like pissed that someone went over his head. He's pissed because he's not going to make as much money. And at that point, I'm like, oh, wow, this is just like actual things. Right. No, yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly, yeah. It kind of mirrors you know, corporate politics. and the, But no, I mean, Bob Morton, uh, you know, took this completely bullet-ridden dead body of Alex Murphy and took certain parts, transplanted it into this cyborg body, kind of like adapted it into a cyborg to become RoboCop. And there's this, this really interesting sequence where you're kind of viewing everything through the RoboCop's eyes. You see like glimpses of whenever they turn him on and there's like a, 
there's like a party going on and it's a New Year's party maybe or something. I mean, it, it, yeah. it does take a while to, to build a RoboCop. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you RoboCop. He gets sent back to the same precinct yeah, but I wanted to point out that no one at OCP warned Metro West that RoboCop was coming. Well, yeah. Like, everyone is just flipping the fuck out. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the whole, like, introductory sequence of RoboCop to, to this precinct is great, because they, they, they bring him in, they, he kind of, they like, kind of, like, take this whole area, like, build this, like, little RoboCop command center where he's got his little chair. When you were at rest, Chair. Yes, I understand. And his uh his food machine. He he eats baby food pretty much. And they have him like in the target in the like gun range shooting and he's got this crazy ass like he's got like it's like a modified automatic Beretta pistol or something. Yeah, I think I think it fires triple rounds. Yeah, it's something just insane and it's like this loud humongous handgun. So he's in the range and all the cops are just shooting and he's just like pretty much destroying the targets with this humongous pistol. And that was great. And pretty much everyone's like, oh, fuck, we're out of jobs. Yeah, it, it, it kind of as RoboCop goes out on the street, he kind of starts getting little flashbacks of his previous life as Murphy. And in these flashbacks, he's kind of piecing together his own murder and moving closer and closer to like apprehending Red Foreman and his gang. Yeah, I, I kind of want to talk about that part. So I, when I was uh, after his first day out where he managed to stop a robbery, shoot a raper in the balls, yes, and finish a hostage situation by punching the hostage taker out a window. Your move, creep. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Because uh, <laughs> these are all normal things. For, for, for Robocop there. Yeah. And then, then he goes back and is in his resting chair because mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't lay down he sits down because he's a cyborg and while they're building you hear mention that they're wiping his memory mm-hmm. now this this really struck me as odd both because it starts to come back and because the whole idea of having this cyborg cop was because you get the life lifetime of cop experience right yes so the idea of having this human thing behind is because, wow, this person already has a lot of police training. They're going to have in their mind all of these really important police uh, procedures and what to do in situations. Except then they wipe his fucking memory. He doesn't have any of that anymore the second they wipe the memory. If they wipe the memory, nothing is there. Yeah, but he has a lot of baggage, you know, remembering his own death. Yeah, but... It's just, it's just to me like you can't, you can't have it both ways. It was the one thing in the movie that really annoyed me. So this will be when we get to our discussion about RoboCop Two. Uh, I'll bring this up again because they did kind of address this a little bit in RoboCop Two. And, and so like they want all the experience, but they still wipe his memory. And then he's a cyborg, and they keep on referring to him as programmed. And essentially, for all intents and purposes, he's more of a what we would think of as a robot than what we would think of as a cyborg at this point. Because cyborgs are humans with added mechanical components 
robots are completely programmed machines. The way they deal with Robocop, it, he's the way that OCP thinks of him, he's much more of a robot, just with human parts. Yeah, yeah. The way he actually is is much more of a cyborg because he is able to dream. I say we pull him in, run a systems check for Take works. a week, maybe 10 But you want to take him offline because he had a dream? What are you kidding? I mean, it's kind of confusing, and they never really talk about kind of what RoboCop actually is. Like, they refer to him as a cyborg, but they also refer to him as kind of a robot. But if you kind of look at RoboCop, he kind of just looks like a robot with a human face stretched over it. You yeah. don't really you don't really get an understanding of how much of Murphy is actually there, like how much of his brain is in the robot body and like, you know, cuz he was almost all gone, you know. I can't I can't imagine them saving a whole lot of Murphy. And I I I would assume that it's probably like, you know, maybe a good portion of his brain and the face is just kind of there to for show almost like yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand the need for the face, but I, yeah, I just assumed that they kind of took out his brain and plopped it in something else. They did keep. They did keep his left arm for a while until Bob Borton said, "No, just replace it." He's on. What's the story? We were able to save the left arm. What? I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? Jesus, Morton. Can you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. We're going to blank his memory anyway. Well, I think we should lose the arm. What, what do you think, Johnson? Well, he signed the release forms when he joined the force. He's legally dead. We can do pretty much what we want to. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I do think... I don't even know if any of his, like, torso is still human under that shell. or I, I don't really know. I I bet there's there's stuff out there <laughs> describing this. I did find an image a while ago that was like a cross section of RoboCop, but it really didn't give a, a good understanding of kind of what was under there. Well, he still has his penis. Well, yeah. If there's anything we've learned from from Star Trek is that uh, anatomically correct robots. Oh, was was that a data joke? Data is anatomically correct. Okay, I I did not know, nor did I honestly care very much. Data bone down with Tasha Yar. The first season, totally boned down. I don't watch Star Trek, Dan. Your loss. Except the next Sam and Dan is going to be Star Trek Four. Star Trek Saves the Whales. Star Trek Saves the Whales. What are your prime directives? Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. Yeah, so RoboCop, uh, as when he's built, he's installed with these three prime directives. Boom, Dan. No, those are those are slightly modified as of Oslaws. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, with with the exception of uh, preserving oneself. Well, because you would think a as a police officer, you have the maybe the desire to sacrifice yourself if it comes down to it, kind of thing. Last resort. That seems to be a police officer thing. So I can understand that not being there. But anyway, this is what drives him to uh, seek out crime, and he kind of applies these directives to each crime as they kind of come up. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, RoboCop as an actual crime-stopping device. Mm-hmm. It's good at it. Yeah. Uh, RoboCop's kind of... He's like a tank. He's like this like slow, lumbering robot with a big-ass gun that just kind of like... You know, th- shit gets fired at him and he keeps going... You know, he he gets very he's very focused on the goal of apprehending or killing a criminal. 
Yeah. Uh, would you say that he would be good at this if the criminals were at all intelligent? No, probably not. No, because they would just be able to run away. Robocop is the slowest thing ever. Yeah, he's really slow. He does have a police car, but <laughs> but according to the, um, the behind-the-scenes info, uh, just Peter Weller in the Robocop suit really couldn't get in and out of the car. So if you notice in the movie, every shot of him with the car is him like getting out or like slowly getting in because he couldn't do it fast uh, because he's he's a slow robot. He's like a slow zombie robot. Yeah. No, no, no. He totally is. And it, it's it's so it's just so odd. Like it, we, we were talking before this about uh, the video game and comic book Robocop versus the Terminator. Here's the thing. I think in your mind, Robocop is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're like, this thing is fantastic. Yeah, RoboCop is awesome. I totally would much prefer to hang out with RoboCop, maybe, you know, have a slice of pizza with RoboCop. But, you know, then you were like, oh, well, RoboCop versus Terminator. Because, you know, if you just hear that, you're like, fuck yes, I would like to see that. Then you think about it, Terminator would probably kick RoboCop's ass pretty solidly. Yeah, in like five seconds, especially if it's any of the Terminators from like the third or fourth movie. Yeah, yeah. RoboCop really doesn't have, he doesn't really stand a chance against much things. Yeah. If you're a mildly intelligent criminal and you just set up a spiked pit and then kind of walked towards it, RoboCop would fall in. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really have a good range of movement. You know, he's, you know, Darth Vader is a little bit more agile than him. And Darth Vader is, you know, Darth Vader's a robot and he can't really move his arm, put his arms above his head. I think you are really misunderstanding Star Wars mythology. There. <laughs> what are you talking about? Darth Vader, like... Darth Vader is not a robot. Darth Vader has a few cybernetic limbs, but yes. cybernetic limbs in the Star Wars universe have complete and full range of motion. They're just as effective as normal. Yeah, limits. well, I'm not talking about the robotic parts of, of Darth Vader. I'm talking about he's wearing that kind of like weird shoulder thing that he can't lift his arms up if he even tried. And he's got that weird cod piece thing. Like he doesn't he <laughs> doesn't move quick. Have you watched his lightsaber duels? They're really sad. Yeah, yeah. But that's only because they couldn't move it any faster than that because their CGI was not good enough to track yeah, lightsabers that moved any faster than that. Anyway, we're off topic. And he fights a lot faster in Return of the Jedi. Calm down. <laughs> Robocop has almost zero range of movement. He walks really slow. He's not really that effective, I think. Yeah, well, he shouldn't be, but he is. Yeah. I mean, a- after we, we stopped talking before, I mean, it was uh, Robocop was dreaming, right? Robocop was dreaming. What did these, what did these dreams lead him to do other than to visit his family's old home, which is just a scene that makes no sense. No, it's so sad. Uh, we'll get more into that in RoboCop 2. <laughs> oh, God, RoboCop 2. Uh, he he starts having, like, these, like, vivid flashbacks of getting gunned down, like, to the point where he starts almost having, like, a seizure in his, like, robo chair. I love how you could just put a robo in front of anything. Yeah, why not? Just go with it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so then he uh, he tracks down Emil, who was uh, in Red Foreman's gang. Mm-hmm. You're dead. We killed you. We killed you. And uh, he gets his face, hacks into the uh, police mainframe, 
at the police mainframe's main computer. Not much of a hack. Uh, no, uh, well, Ro- RoboCop has this. He has this thing that comes out of his his hand that is. Yes, a Wolverine middle finger. So yeah, so he uses the the data spike or data spike, whatever you want, to uh, to access the you know the the cop computer and kind of find the the uh, other people in Red Foreman's gang. Yeah, uh, and then eventually he tracks down Red Foreman, arrests him. Clarence Bodiger. <laughs> You are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Fuck you. Finds out that he's working for Dick Jones. And then uh, he goes to try to arrest Dick Jones. You are under arrest. Oh, on what charge? Aiding and abetting a known felon. Yeah, but guess what? What happens Guess what, Sam Hansen? What? Secret Prime Directive, number four. Oh my God. Yeah. What did you think? You were an ordinary police officer? You're our product. And we can't very well have our products turning against us, can we? Oh my god, I knew all about that already. Yeah, um, yeah so it turns out Dick Jones, because he's super bitter at Bob Morton and the whole Robocop program, puts in a secret directive. Well, maybe he was just assuming that the Robocop would be really, really effective and eventually track back Boddicker to him. Yeah, probably. Uh, the secret prime directive, he cannot harm or arrest senior executives of OCP. Yeah, which which means that he can't uh, really do anything to Jones, who then calls out a new version of Ed 209, yeah. and they fight. Yeah, how'd that fight go down? <laughs> well, they fought really slow-like, <laughs> and then eventually Ed 209 uh, can't manage stairs. Yeah, he doesn't really do stairs too well. So RoboCop is like, Which, make for the stairs, and he runs down the stairs, and uh, Ed follows and just falls down the stairs. Yeah, lands on its back and can't get up. Yeah, like a turtle, and it's funny. Yeah, I, honestly, that was one of the most realistic robotic things that happened in the entire movie. Robots can't do stairs in general. Yeah, yeah, and it, I'm almost compelled to take that clip and put it, uh, put yakety sacks behind it. <laughs> <laughs> Though I'm sure it's maybe already been done. Yeah, there should be, that entire fight scene should be done to Benny Hill. So, yeah, RoboCop, uh, he escapes, and as soon as he gets out of the building, he is surrounded by uh, by the SWAT team, who are controlled by OCP and are under orders to, uh, to take RoboCop in. Yeah, they fail. Uh, Lewis rescues him. Uh, then Jones gets bod- gives Boddicker these mega cannon guns. <laughs> Gonna need some major firepower. Got access to military weaponry? We practically are the military. Oh, and also the police are striking in here. It, it re- really doesn't matter too much, but the police have gone on strike, and there's a riot in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without cops, this city would tear itself apart. And it kind of, uh, Robocop also has a tracking device inside of him, so Boddicker has the the uh, little GPS thing that looks a little bit like a, like a first-generation iPhone. Uh... They track him down, they fight, they lose, RoboCop wins by spiking <laughs> Red Foreman in the aorta with his uh, Wolverine spike. Yeah, his data spike. They'll fix you. They fix everything. At this point, he's really kind of got back a lot of his Murphy-ness to him. Yeah, he's taken off his RoboCop helmet. And you could just see his 
buckaroo bonsai stretched over his creepy ass face. And I, I think like Robocop without his helmet is like seeing a Mickey Mouse mascot without his head as a child or something. It's like so just terrifyingly creepy. It was just weird. So he's like, well, I'm going to end this now. He goes to OCP. There's a uh, Ed 209 unit guarding it. And it's it's nothing. Ed 209 is just like a nonsense thing at this point. It's a joke. He takes that out. He goes up to the boardroom, and he just kind of, like, busts into a board meeting. How can we help you, officer? Dick Jones is wanted for murder. This is absurd! That thing is a violent mechanical psychopath! My program will not allow me to act against an officer of this company. And <laughs> takes takes out his bloody data spike that's still covered in bits of uh, Red Foreman's brain. Jams it into the uh, data vagina. Yeah. Yep, and uh, plays a, a confession video from uh, Dick Jones. Uh, the old man is taken hostage at gunpoint by Dick Jones, who then fires Dick Jones so that uh, Prime Directive 4 is no longer getting in the way of RoboCop shooting the fuck out of Dick yeah, Jones. Yeah, he's no longer an employee of OCP, so RoboCop just kind of guns him down. Dick, you're fired! Thank you. Did you notice the problem with that? Yeah, I noticed the major problem with that. Um, Just because someone says you're fired doesn't mean you're fired yet. No, you have to go through all the HR things. You have to sign some paperwork. The guy was not an officially terminated employee. Mm-hmm. Robocop doesn't care. <laughs> and then, you know, at the end, the old man in charge of OCP asks Robocop w- what he should be called. And he responds, Murphy. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? Murphy. Yeah, actually, the whole name versus uh, product was actually a, 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 to me, very interesting theme that ran throughout the entire movie. Because mm-hmm. uh, earlier on, Lewis asked RoboCop what his name is, and RoboCop just doesn't answer because he doesn't understand the question. Mm-hmm. Murphy, it's you. You really don't remember me, do you? Excuse me. I have to go. Somewhere there is a crime happening. And throughout the rest of the movie, he's either called Robo or Robocop, except by Lewis, who calls him by Murphy. And that's kind of like an emergent humanism, sort of. Yeah, well, it's kind of like, you know, Murphy is, you know, resurrected as Robocop, but he doesn't like, you know, it takes the course of the movie before he's fully resurrected as kind of Murphy. Yeah, and but I mean, it's still, at least to me, it's kind of an argument against the whole productization of the world. Mm-hmm. As I mean, this this movie has all kinds of really weird arguments in it. But th- this was one that kind of struck me like, we're all becoming these kind of nameless drone products. The only way to keep it is to keep our individual name, our individual nature. Yeah, yeah. See, see. Or maybe I'm just putting way too much credit to Paul Verhoeven, yeah, Paul Verhoeven, Paul Verhoeven, who also directed such gems as Total Recall, Starship Troopers, Starship, we, which Troopers. had a little bit of this in it too, a little bit of the, uh, I mean, more on like the propaganda type side, but there was a lot of the media stuff was similar to, yeah, um, and actually, I I thoroughly love both of those movies. Yeah, I I'm gonna say that you you're not really you know reading something that's not there. There, I mean. 
it's kind of why I hold RoboCop a little bit higher than other action movies, because it, it does have these like really kind of deep themes. And it's kind of what makes it a successful movie, because like, you know, even if you're there for just an action movie, you're going to be satisfied by it. But if you actually kind of want to think about things, there's a lot of like stuff layered on top of that that make it interesting. You know, you do have kind of like this um, Christ-like resurrection metaphor that's going on through most of it. They even show like RoboCop kind of like walking on water at one point towards <laughs> the end, which I think was was kind of deliberate. And and just like the role of media in the future, you can kind of see that like the commercialism is just like just so much more amped up than what we have now. Yeah, well, actually, I don't know if it is. Not that what we have now, maybe than what mm. they had in 87. Sure, yeah. But let, let's talk a little bit about some of that commercialism, because it, one of my favorite things of this movie were these uh, fake commercials that were riddled throughout the movie, mm. uh, that were just super fun, like the uh, uh, sport utility heart. Is it time for that big operation? This may be the most important decision of your life. So come down and talk to one of our qualified surgeons. Here at the Family Heart Center, we feature the complete Jarvik line. Series 7 Sports Heart by Jensen. Yamaha, you picked the heart. Extended warranties, financing, qualifies for health tax credit. And remember, we care. It's funny because even like the the news like the news segments in this would be like interrupted. Like the news anchors are, you know, emotionless. They, they're not, they have no caring for any of the stuff they're talking. These horrible tragedies yeah. they're talking about. This is media break. You give us three minutes and we'll give you the world. Good morning. I'm Casey Wong with Jess Perkins. Top story, Pretoria. The threat of nuclear confrontation in South Africa escalated today when the ruling white military government of that besieged city-state unveiled a French-made neutron bomb and affirmed its willingness to use the three-megaton device as the city's last line of defense. Uh, there is a Star Wars space defense platform, and it goes kind of wonky at one point and laser cannons away Santa Barbara. Yeah. But then, like, uh, there's also a Mexican crisis. Yeah. Sorry, I put all these down. Yeah, no. Mexican crisis and. Uh, uh, and a bunch of stuff about being Det uh, about Detroit and all the cops dying. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and also RoboCop will end crime in 40 days. At Security Concepts, we're projecting the end of crime in old Detroit within 40 days. There's a new guy in town. His name's RoboCop. Right, yeah. So, so like, they'll, they'll, they'll be talking about this story, like, South Africa and apartheid, and then they'll just be like, even, you know how sometimes they'll be like, oh, will this new thing kill your kids? More at 11. But it's more like, oh, all these people are dying. Now a word from this car company, you know. And uh, one of the funniest things is there's a car that's advertised throughout the movie called the 6000 SUX. Which... <laughs> 6000 sucks. Yeah, and, and also uh, it, it only got 8.2 miles to the mm -hmm. uh, And then there was kind of like a... Uh, battleship type game, family game called uh, Nuke. Oh God, I want this game so badly. It looks to be the best game yeah, ever. Yeah, it's called Nukem. Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. You crossed my line of death. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. Nukem. Get them before they get you. 
Another quality home game from Butler Brothers. Then there's this one commercial that just pops up almost constantly through the movie where it's just some guys like, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> oh God, that weird television show. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, just, it's like one clip of this old perverted man trying to get with these two girls. Yeah. And it's kind of like some weird show slash infomercial thing. Uh, that's kind of always on the TV throughout the movie. And, and that is, uh, I mean, this movie came out in 87. I assume it was probably filmed in 86. And that's just about the time we started getting, like, 24-hour news stations and things, too. It was just starting to be this this kind of crass, crass mediaization that has, has come, you know, almost up to the point that it is in RoboCop in our everyday lives now. Right. Uh, but it was just starting there. So they, I think they did a pretty decent job of extrapolating what it could become. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think that they, they did that. I mean... Uh, I mean, it was really on the nose, but it was still pretty accurate, I think. So one of the other things uh, that's going on, as we mentioned, uh, Omni Consumer Products has privatized the the police force in old Detroit, as it's mm-hmm. called. And and this is this is something that is interesting because we're starting to see this uh, more and more in in our actual lives. But it's also something that that is definitely a theme throughout other media things Uh Dan, you've mentioned uh, Death Race, which has private-funded prisons. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the the remake of Death Race 2000, Death Race, starring Jason Statham and Ian McShane. Oh, uh, it's a fun movie, fun movie, and uh, yeah, it has a privately funded prison in it that forces people to Death Race. Great. I was also thinking of uh, the book Snow Crash, which is a, a cyberpunk book by Neil Stevenson where everything has been privatized, including police forces for all these different areas. And they're, you know, like the mega cops and the enforcers. Mm-hmm. Mega, so me- mega cop versus giant octopus. I saw that movie. Uh, but it's this is also a truth in the United States currently. Uh, privatizing prisons is actually very common. Uh, private prisons have, have been a major growth sector in the United States recently. Yeah, and death races have never been more popular. Well, only when they star Jason Statham. And Ian McShane. Sure. Because I'm pretty sure the, the straight-to-DVD sequel to Death Race did not do very well. I, I can't speak to that, but uh, I'm going to assume you're right. There are actually, in the United States, some private police forces. Now, these are generally uh, more security forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, you know, Paul Blart Mall Cop, that's a private police officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, there's also company police, and uh, one of the best examples of that is the railroad police. So, you know, there are, uh, for the private railroad lines, they do have their own police forces. Yeah. Uh, but uh, did you know about, say, your hometown of Boston, Dan? Yeah, you, you were you were telling me that there, that there uh, are some parts of Boston that have uh, private police forces. Yeah, and these are the, the projects, actually. <laughs> Uh, so there's a company called, uh, well, one of the firms that uh, gives private security to the projects is Naratoon Security Corporation. And they have... Naruto Security. Yes, I've, I've yeah. heard of that. Oh, was I, did I mispronounce their nope. name? I made a reference to the Japanese anime Naruto. Oh, okay. Uh, so they have a traditional, what are called security officers, and these are just, you know, rent-a-cops. Mm. But they also have 43 special police officers. And these are armed guys 
who have limited uh, arrest powers and are licensed by the Boston PD. Yeah. Yep, we've got... These are private people. And now, what about South Carolina? Uh, really creeped me out when you were telling me about this earlier. So, in South Carolina, and it, I'm taking this from Wikipedia, but this is a cited thing. Mm-hmm. I, I could go down to the citation, but I'm too late. Uh-huh. All security officers have the same authority and power as sheriff deputies. Wow. Yeah. So, I like, these, these private, essentially rent-a-cops can use blue lights, make arrests, use traffic radar, give, like, speeding tickets. Lethal force? Can they lethal force? If they're sheriff's deputies, if they're in a thing where a deputy could use lethal force, they could also use lethal force. That's pretty banana cakes. Yeah. So, so uh, apparently, uh, RoboCop is not that off on this either. Right. Of course, they would have known that because... Uh, there have been many times prior to the making of RoboCop that there were entire rural towns and things that did uh, go under contract with private security firms to give their policing. Yeah, uh, and there's also the uh, kind of private army forces like Blackwater and stuff. Oh, but they're not allowed to function. No. But they're not legally allowed to function in the United States. No, no it's only a matter of time, but no, you're right. Uh, until, until uh, say, someone attacks us. And then we can guarantee that they will be allowed to function. Yeah, probably. Possibly by paid for by the attacking force. Probably, <laughs> yeah. RoboCop. Who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? Science Corner. We talk about science. So, Sam Hansen. Oh, yes. I am the science guy. Sam Hansen, science guy. Is RoboCop a real thing? Can we have RoboCops? Uh, yeah. Hmm? Yeah, no, no. I, I will say that undoubtedly we already have RoboCops. What? Yeah, there has to be a police officer out there with a pacemaker. That's a cyborg. Yeah, yeah. Um, so cyborg, cyborgs are actually a real thing. Like, like, this is something we should point out. Cyborgs exist. Right. They're totally actually real, just not RoboCop-style cyborgs. Right, yeah. You know, um, we have some more advanced kind of prosthetic limbs. Uh, Yeah, and they're getting better all the time. We're starting to really refine brain-controlled of computer things, which will allow brains to actually uh, work a prosthetic limb, uh, like in, say, Star Wars. Sure, yeah. And we have um, retinal implants in your eyes, too, that... uh, Yes, we do. That help uh, blind people see. Yep. Uh, And there's uh, cochlear implants in your ears, too, to let people hear. So cyborgs, real thing. Uh, And also, you can can think of all the tech that we carry around as kind of making us all cyborgs. Yeah, yeah. And there's also been, you know, um, recently there have been these kind of, uh, you know, they're not replacement parts, but they're like added kind of suit type things to, to increase strength and all that. Yeah, yeah, or, uh, you know, like, glasses that have binocular binocular functionality as well as being able to record and, uh, say, have night vision and things like that as yeah. well. So we're not going to get any uh, full, full RoboCops soon, but there are quote-unquote RoboCops out there. Yeah. Now, Dan, how about ED-209? Well, you know, if we're talking ED-209, I don't want any of those nonsense things. Yeah, but... 
could if we wanted to, could we build an ED two oh nine today? Uh, oh yeah, we definitely could. I mean, we do have uh, you know bomb disposal robots. Yeah, uh, except most bomb disposal robots are run off of remote control, well, whereas ED two oh nine was a fully autonomous robot, hmm. which is a slightly different than the uh, non-autonomous or partially autonomous robots. So there's also uh, a lot of the military say UAVs. Mm-hmm are essentially uh, fully autonomous robots. Uh, apparently, cruise missiles are designated as fully autonomous robots. Really? That's absolutely and, terrifying. Yeah, you give them a destination and they find their way. Huh. Yeah. you're. I mean, you're, it's not like you're controlling the missile uh, completely because uh, cruise missiles can... Uh, they're not ballistic missiles, so they don't just follow a simple ballistic trajectory. Mm-hmm. They'll actually seek out and change... Uh, course and everything so there they would be qualified as robots now the thing about like ed2 and high it, it fell downstairs right yeah and we had a good laugh about that well that that is actually what would happen that's why most fully autonomous robots that are outdoor robots mm-hmm. uh, are uh, air robots yeah because it's a lot easier to move in the air than it is to move over uneven surfaces even indoor robots typically only function on the handicap accessible parts of the building. So, I mean, I think, you know, the practical use of like a police robot that actually, you know, enforces laws is is pretty far off. I mean, I think we yeah. could definitely build like an ED-209 thing. Um, it would be super unethical <laughs> to even exist. Why? Because it just kills people? Because it pretty much just kills people, Sam. I definitely think that, you know, could we build ED-209 have it go out into a city and maybe enforce a law? Yeah, probably we could. Should we? Hell no, we should not. Yeah, I, I do I do have very little problem with the idea of something like ED-209, say, walking around the edges of a military base with, with very strong programming in it, of course. Uh, you know, programming that has been tested is not going to mess up like ED-209 did. Or perhaps instead armed with tasers instead of bullets. Listen. Sam, as we all know that as much programming as it has, all it takes is one bolt of lightning to just mess it all up. Fuck you, short circuit, Johnny Five. Listen, that's a case study against, you know, the strength of programming. No, it's not fictional character. Listen, lightning gives things life. No, lightning takes away life. Lightning starts fires, burns down, burns down forests, electrocutes things. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. You win this round, Hanson. So, I know I know we've actually already answered this, but I have a question for you, Dan. Does RoboCop end with RoboCop? Here's the thing. No, it doesn't. Should it have? Uh, most assuredly, yes, it should have. <laughs> uh, before we get into the afterlife of RoboCop, I would like to talk about something that happened in the promotion of RoboCop on VHS when it came out. Uh, when when the first RoboCop movie came out on VHS and Laserdisc, maybe, they hired... The, the Blu-ray Laserdisc combo pack with digital... Download. Yeah, that's a thing. That sh- <laughs> that's a thing I really wish exists. Yeah, yeah. So RoboCop came out on VHS and Laserdisc. They... The, the marketing team behind RoboCop hired former president Richard Nixon for like $25,000 to promote 
RoboCop on VHS. What? This is a real thing that happened. This 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 happened in real life. Is there video evidence? Picture or it didn't happen? There's picture evidence. There, I have not been able to find video evidence of this happening. Uh, I don't know in what capacity, if there was like a television commercial or if it was just a print advertisement or something. Um, but what Nixon did was he took the money that he made from this and he just donated it to the Boys and Girls Club of America. Oh, yeah, there's a picture of someone in a RoboCop suit and Richard Nixon. Yeah, so that's what I'm getting. So I'm getting so I'm getting to that. So what ended up happening was the Boys and Girls Club of America was like, oh, we just got $25,000 from disgraced former President Richard Nixon. Let's kind of have a ceremony. To, like, let's, let's kind of play this up a little bit. So what they did was they kind of got a guy in a RoboCop costume and they had Nixon come and, you know, they buddied or palled around a little bit. It's insane. That this happened is insane. Also, I don't know. The, the picture is really funny because it's like such a, uh, it's just a dude in a RoboCop outfit. It's not Peter Weller or anything. And uh, yeah, and, and like there's no red thing over the eyes. You can just see the eyes. Yeah, it's just so ridiculous that this happened. Uh, but that's just like a complete aside. That's not even like talking about the sequels or anything. Uh, oh, also, uh, did you know about the uh, Japanese fried, fried chicken, chicken commercial? Yeah. Yeah, RoboCop. Uh, RoboCop advertised fried chicken in Japan at some point in the 80s as well. It's a really kind of ridiculous commercial. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. I just found out about it and I haven't actually watched it. Yeah. Oh, he comes out of the television. Oh, as, as you do uh, in Japan. And he's all fucking super shiny. He looks almost nothing like RoboCop. Well, yeah, it's a Japanese RoboCop. He's all chromed up and uh, um, uses his targeting systems to find some fried chicken. You know. Also, it is a lot faster and seems more capable. <laughs> yeah. He also eats fried chicken, which is, like, against RoboCop's, like, thing. He eats, RoboCop yeah, who, sus- sustains on this baby fu- food puree. Uh, so it doesn't, it really doesn't make sense. It's, like, this new level of RoboCop insane. also advertised for UFO noodles. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's uh, the marketing machine that is RoboCop post for the first RoboCop. They really, really really took robocop pretty far like surprisingly far um they not only made robocop 2 they made a robocop 3 and and just in case anyone wonders what dan thinks about robocop 3 we we do a google doc for every one of these uh where we share some ideas about what we should record Mm -hmm. about and under robocop 3 all it says is no fucking way yeah uh to be clear, I have seen RoboCop 3 before, but the prospect of rewatching it for this thing is just, this is not going to happen. Um, yeah, you said you made it uh, 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, if that. So there have been three RoboCop movies. There have also been two separate animated series, RoboCop the Animated Series in the late 80s, and then RoboCop Alpha Commando in the 90s. Where he fights against Dark, the Directorate for Anarchy, Revenge, and Chaos. <laughs> Yep. Uh, in the early 90s, there was, like, I think 12 episodes of RoboCop the series on television, which was a live-action RoboCop series. There's 22 episodes. Uh, there's 22 episodes of RoboCop the series. Excuse me. Uh, then in the early 2000s, there was RoboCop Prime Directives, 
which was a four-part TV miniseries. Each part is an hour and a half long. Essentially four more RoboCop movies. <gasps> Here's the thing. It's all garbage. Ha! It's pretty much all garbage. Uh, the first RoboCop movie, you know, great action movie, had these crazy other themes going on, really well put together, well acted. Everything was kind of pretty good in it. Um, everything else is just, like, trash. And RoboCop 2... Um, was written by uh, Frank Miller, who is uh, known for Sin City and 300. Yeah, like, he's an amazing writer. Well, here's the thing. He, after his uh, his uh, Dark Knight Batman series came out in the 80s, they were like, oh, well, let's... He would be good at writing a screenplay for RoboCop. Well, you know, I don't know. I always kind of have a weird thing where it's like, well, this guy is really good at writing comic books, so let's make him write a movie. They're two different things. Uh, he, uh, Frank Miller turned in a script for RoboCop 2. Um, it was unfilmable. You just yeah. couldn't make this movie. Uh, so, you know, it just kind of went through rewrites. It became, it kind of got taken out of his hands and it was a story about, there was like this crazy drug on the streets of Detroit um ocp had uh because the the government the government of detroit hadn't upheld their contract with ocp so ocp foreclosed on detroit and they were going to level it and build it was the same plot level it and build delta city but what they did was they had kind of forced the the drugs and everything into detroit and the police officers went on strike again and uh, they made it super shitty. Like, they made Detroit shitty so they could foreclose on it. Um, uh, there was, like, this whole other plot to it where they were trying to build RoboCop 2. They called it RoboCop 2 in the movie. <laughs> and th this is the best thing. If you could find this on YouTube, I'll see if I can find it on YouTube and put it up on the blog. Because it is, like, the only really good thing about RoboCop 2 is... There's a short kind of test video of them trying to make RoboCop 2. And in it, every single police officer that they build a RoboCop out of immediately realizes what he has become and commits suicide. Right at the beginning. <laughs> so like, they're like, oh, RoboCop 2, test. This guy comes out. It's like kind of RoboCop-like. It doesn't look the same. He like realizes what he is. He holds a gun up to his head and just like shoots himself. Wow. Um, that's the only really cool thing about RoboCop 2 is like they realize what they've become and they just commit suicide because they can't deal with it. Uh, which kind of goes back to in RoboCop 1 when you're talking about how they like wiped their memories. Yeah. Like at this point, they clearly did not wipe their memories in RoboCop 2. So I really don't know what to believe at this point. So yeah, it, they eventually build a RoboCop 2 that, that kind of takes on the original RoboCop and they fight. Why, why is it picking on the original RoboCop? Well, because RoboCop, like, okay, the police are on strike, but RoboCop is still out there, like, uh, fighting, like, OCP-type things. It's I tr I watched about half of RoboCop 2. <laughs> I didn't even watch the whole thing for this, because uh, it's just not. I got through the entirety of Short Circuit 2. I didn't ask you to do that. I did not ask you to do that, Sam. You did that on your own free will. Kind of. Kind. I thought it was necessary. It really isn't. 
It really isn't, especially with kind of nonsense like this. The uh, I, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna amend what I said about the only the only cool thing being all of the the new RoboCops killing themselves is when RoboCop does kill RoboCop two. He like punches the new RoboCop in the face and like rips his brain and spinal cord like out of the body like a Mortal Kombat finishing move. <laughs> what? That's a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, well, that that's awesome. So anyway, uh, so so what would you say? So I, I mean, I missed after RoboCop. RoboCop has has gotten a name and a personality by the end of the first one. So in the second one, does he start like actually interacting with people? Here's the thing, you know, Robo, the first RoboCop ends where he's pretty much reclaimed his Murphiness. You know, he's still kind of like a weird Murphy face stretched over a robot, but he's got the Murphiness to him. Uh, RoboCop 2 starts with all of that gone. He is back to being just a robot. Uh, there's this whole part, this subplot where he starts driving by his wife's house, his former wife's house, Murphy's wife, and she like freaks out, sues like OCP and like there's this huge like lawsuit and kind of weird creepiness that happens and she, her the wife actually comes to see murphy robocop in his little cage in the precinct and she asks him like what he is and stuff and he just says that he is a robot built in to honor murphy also robocop talks a lot more in this one and robocop in full kind of robot type mode he doesn't hold a conversation too well. It's kind of annoying to listen to him try and have a conversation. Uh, I, I should note that um, RoboCop 2 was directed by Irving Kirshner, director of Empire Strikes Back. That's that's an interesting choice. It is. It was, uh, you know, they're like, oh, this guy can make sequels like, like nobody's business. Uh, and uh, Peter Weller came back as RoboCop. Nancy Allen came back as Ann Lewis. Uh, there were a couple other minor characters that came back as their characters. Um, some of the executives, I think, came back um, from OCP. Uh, Peter Weller, after RoboCop 2, just thought it was a miserable experience to make this movie. And you can kind of... Sure was. It's a miserable experience to watch the movie. Uh so he is, at this point, he is done with RoboCop, being RoboCop in movies. Uh, unfortunately for Nancy Allen, who also claims that this was a miserable experience, Nancy Allen comes back for RoboCop 3. Uh, RoboCop 3, they're like, hey, Frank Miller gave us, a, gave us a script that we couldn't really make and we had to get rewritten. So let's have Frank Miller write us another screenplay. Like, it really doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, it was directed by uh, Frank, or Fred Decker, who directed uh, Mon- The Monster Squad. And uh, he did some Tales from the Crypt stuff, too. Uh, Robert John Burke took over for Peter Weller as RoboCop. Uh, he hasn't really done anything. The, the story of RoboCop 3, it, it doesn't really matter. It's like, you know, OCP's been taken over by, like, a Japanese company. Uh, there's more, like, police on strike, of course. And I think RoboCop pretty much gets, like, demolished in this one, and they put him back together. I, it's it's not... It doesn't even matter. It just doesn't matter. RoboCop 3 was awful. And you've also watched at least a bit of the TV show. What was your... Uh, 
what was your opinion of that? Uh, so I, okay. I dipped my toe in. I don't, I haven't seen any of RoboCop prime directives, which is the most recent RoboCop thing that's been made. Uh, all four of those episodes are on Netflix instant watch. If you wanted to like watch them and then probably kill yourself for watching them. Uh, Cause they're probably awful. Uh, I did see some of the RoboCop series from the early 90s. It was uh, it was kind of Robo- a RoboCop TV series. It wasn't great. It was yeah, and the RoboCop animated series. <laughs> uh, RoboCop the animated series, the first one. Uh, I've watched a little bit of it, a little bit of it on YouTube. It's it's a kid show about a hard R-rated movie. <laughs> that's pretty much what it is i th- i think R- robocop is an interesting phenomenon because it, it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of character that i could see appeal to kids but the the first two movies at least were like really brutal hard r type movies like they were gory yeah. and uh yeah it's also boobies in the first yeah, there's one. boobs uh but they made you know they made action figures from it and they made animated series like then they're like oh well this character appeals to kids so let's make some of that stuff uh they did the exact same thing with rambo too they made action figures and and uh cartoons out of that Uh, i haven't seen robocop alpha commando at all but i'm sure it's probably another robocop uh animated series um there have also been video games uh comic books Frank Miller took his unfilmable script and turned it into a comic book series that I think was actually kind of successful. Uh, and they did RoboCop versus Terminator. And there's a bunch of video games. Yeah, there's video games. And uh, even recently, they were they've been talking about re uh, remaking RoboCop. And it, for a while, Darren Aronofsky was attached to direct it. Yeah, as as he seems to get attached to direct a lot of remakes and then not do them. He was attached to direct Batman Year One. He was attached to direct Wolverine, and now he's he was attached to direct RoboCop, and they never come through. Yeah, I think the 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 RoboCop thing, um, like he had spoken about his ideas for wanting to make a new RoboCop. Uh, the studio wanted it to be crazy in 3D. He didn't want that. Also, I think it was by MGM. And MGM kind of collapsed because uh, it didn't have any money. So I think it's been on hold since then, which pretty much means I don't think it's it's been said that he is not doing it. But well, actually, right now, uh, the person who's uh, it, on February 18th, MGM announced that Jose Padilla, no. uh, who is a Brazilian action movie director, uh, is attached to direct. Hmm. The RoboCop remake. I mean, I, I, it's both with this and a Wolverine sequel. I would like to see Darren Aronofsky make these movies because I want to see Darren Aronofsky make most movies that are not made by Christopher Nolan or David Fincher. I mean, I'm just kind of curious what, like, what a Darren Aronofsky Wolverine or RoboCop movie would be like. I actually think I would prefer to see his Wolverine movie because there's a lot more chances for him to do really, really sick and twisted imagery with those claws. I I, I agree with you. Uh, every, every time those claws come out, can you imagine him doing it in the style of Requiem for a Dream? <laughs> uh, what else? I think there was another thing I was going to mention about RoboCop. Oh, so the most uh, most recent kind of RoboCop development in the world is uh 
someone on Twitter asked Mayor Dave Bing, mayor of Detroit, if there were any plans to build a RoboCop statue uh, as kind of Philadelphia did with um, Rocky. There's a Rocky statue. Uh, He responded, no, that's silly. Uh, And then what did the the people do, Dan? um, The the people went on Kickstarter and raised $60,000 to build a RoboCop statue. And I can't get $8,000 to do a podcast. Yeah, well, is your podcast about RoboCop? This one is? Yeah, well, you don't need funding for this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it. I mean, I, I donated to it. Um, my uh, podcasting partner on There You Are, Alex, is, is actually roommates with the guy, with one of the guys who is kind of working with, with this whole thing. Um, they're pretty close to actually getting this thing almost done. I think they're casting it in bronze. They got... Uh, they're using molds that were molded directly from the original armor. Like this is going to be a real thing in Detroit, which is, I mean, that's so awesome. It's, it, that's really, really, it cool. is really great. Uh, and yeah. Uh, of course I still need to go to Kickstarter and search for relatively prime and give me money so that I can continue to, uh, provide everyone with these awesome. Well, actually, so that I can provide someone with an even more awesome product than this. Hey, this is going to be great. So, uh, do you have anything else to say about uh, RoboCop, Dan? Nope. No, I I don't have anything else to say except uh, if you have not watched it, you should probably go watch it because it's pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's on Netflix Instant Watch. I have another thing to say about RoboCop. RoboCop came out on DVD, and then it came out Uh, The Criterion Collection put out a version of RoboCop. If you have a chance to watch the Criterion Collection version of RoboCop, you should maybe do it. It has maybe like a minute and a half of more gore in it. (laughs) They had to cut out some things to to make that R rating, the original RoboCop. So they put that back in. I recently picked up the Blu-ray copy of RoboCop. Uh, Did it? Did it come with digital download? It did not come with digital download. It's a pretty kind of slapdash put together transfer of RoboCop. It's not great, but if you can get it for like, I don't know, five bucks, it's probably worth it to watch RoboCop. It's not the extra gore extended edition. Um, I think the Criterion one is out of print, but you can probably find it somewhere on eBay. Uh, It's also on Netflix Instant Watch. So you can put it in your queue and watch it there. Yeah, it's, there's, there's no excuse not to watch RoboCop uh, unless you're waiting to record a podcast about it. Right. So uh, this has been uh, your Sam and Dan and RoboCop podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been Dan Sai. I am always Samuel Hansen. And uh, so, Dan, uh, they can come back and listen to us on the next Sam and Dan, which is going to be about what? We will be talking about. Hold on to your butts. Mad Max. Just saying, hold on to your butts. Are we talking about Ghostbusters too? No, no. We are talking about Mad Max. We are talking about Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior. We are talking about Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome. Okay. Well, that sounds sounds like a good deal. Yeah. Everyone come back and listen to that in uh, around a month-ish. Fingers crossed. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night. Robocop, what is he? Robocop, Robocop, Robocop.